Hey, this is Randy Robinson, and I'm the pastor of Everyday Church. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this podcast encourages you, stretches your faith, and helps lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Let's do it. Amen. So proud of our team, our church. God is doing these amazing things here. We don't take it lightly. We're honored that he's entrusted us with the task of building his church. We're honored that you've chosen to come alongside of us and be a part of that. Um, thank you for your faithfulness to give, to serve, to pray. I believe the best is yet to come. Is my mic not working? I said, I believe the best is yet to come. All right, let me jump in. I don't think this is going to take a long time. Our theme for the year is renew. We try to move fast so we're not here all day. Um, we've spent a pretty extensive time talking through what it means to renew our minds. And a few weeks ago, we began a new portion of this theme talking about the Holy Spirit. Renewing our minds and ultimately our lives is only one part of the equation. We also need relationship with the Holy Spirit. These are two sides of the same coin. And so if you simply focus on changing the way that you think and you're excluding the Holy Spirit, then we risk falling into self-help and that will only get us so far. But on the flip side, when we focus solely on the Holy Spirit and neglect to renew our minds uh, or change the way that we think, then we often experience God in powerful ways like we did just a moment ago, but we end up right back where we started because there's no renewal or ongoing process. And so it's not an either or, it's a both and. We need to renew our minds and we need relationship with the Holy Spirit so that we can be healthy emotionally and spiritually as we pursue God. And so what we're going to discuss today is foundational. It's not flashy, but it's very important. There are deeper levels for us to go to in God's spirit. And it doesn't have to be weird or flaky, right? It doesn't have to be that, but there are deeper places that we can go. And so, so far in this series, we spent some time trying to debunk some of the myths about the Holy Spirit. We talked about some of the misconceptions, mental images and fears that people feel when you use words like Pentecostal, charismatic or spirit filled. Right? And we compared these stereotypes to what scripture actually says about the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is not an it or an impersonal spiritual force. Over and over in Scripture, Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as He. He has personhood. He's part of the Trinity. He's God, the third person or the third part of the Holy Trinity. And when I say person, it's not person as we know it with flesh and bones. Right? But He does exhibit personhood. He has personality. He has emotions. He's someone to have relationship with and not just a power to obtain. Looking at some of the words that Jesus used to describe the Holy Spirit, comforter, helper, counselor, advocate, attorney, intercessor, teacher, peace, truth, guide, friend, confidant. How many of you could use a little bit more of that? How many of you could use? And so we asked the question, why wouldn't we want a relationship with someone who gives us all of these benefits? Why is there so much controversy regarding the subject of the Holy Spirit? Why do people put up a wall when you begin to talk about the Holy Spirit? Why is there such fear? First of all, the enemy knows that if the body of Christ ever begins to begin to build relationship with the Holy Spirit, it will change everything. Why wouldn't Satan work hard to bring distortion and confusion and fear to something so amazing and beautiful and helpful to us as Christ followers? He's a deceiver and a liar. Remember what Jesus said about him in John 8, 44, that he is a murderer. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, 
For there's no truth in him when he lies. He speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Second, and we spent extensive time talking about this, but our misconceptions and fears regarding the Holy Spirit come because we've often built our theology regarding the Holy Spirit on, on what Jesus calls traditions of men. That's why I love that line in that song. Break down the walls of my tradition and all my religion because his way is better. My way is not always the right way. And until we're willing to look at what we believe and dig it up from the roots and shine the light of God's word on those roots, we're never going to move forward in what he has for us. And we'll keep repeating the same things over and over again because we're not submitting to the power and the authority of the word of God. Well, I know the word of God says this, but I want to do it this way. There can be no freedom. There can be no maturity. There can be no moving forward while we do that. We have to come under the authority of the word of God, even if it means digging up things that we've always done. Maybe you've done something since you were five or six or, or the church you came up in. There were these traditions of men and you associated that or I associate that with the Holy Spirit. And then all of a sudden somebody says, hey, that's not scripture. And we're like, I've been doing that for 40 years. So what? Pull it up by the roots, expose it to the word and see if it's even biblical. Amen. We see things on TV or in the church and. Oftentimes a way of doing things has been passed down for generations has nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. And yet people, because people profess to be Pentecostal, charismatic, spirit filled, and they have a platform, we associate their actions with the Holy Spirit. As a result, we, in order to have a true understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and how he works, we must return to Scripture. We must be willing, again, to pull our roots up and shine the light of the Word on them. If our belief systems don't align with Scripture, we have to be willing to change. And if we're not willing to change, then we become like the ones that Jesus harshly rebuked in the New Testament. So over the past few weeks... We've hinted at what I'm going to talk about today. It hasn't been a focal point, but more glanced over. And then we had a couple weeks where just different things happened. And so maybe you're not, um, maybe you won't remember this, but I'll, I'll catch us up. Um, this again, this is foundational and it's key to us walking in the fullness of the spirit. Today, what I want to talk about quickly is the three, there, there are three separate baptisms. All right, three separate baptisms. And some of this is going to feel like verbal semantics, but it's very important. So take notes, go back and watch it later, listen later, whatever. This is super important, all right? We're going to talk about three baptisms. One, number one, the baptism of or by the Holy Spirit. That is salvation. Everybody say salvation. salvation. All right, that's the baptism of or by the Holy Spirit. Number two, water baptism. Number three, baptism in or with the Holy Spirit. And again, I know this might seem like verbal semantics, but it's very, very important. We have to understand the difference between the baptism of or by and the baptism in or with the Holy Spirit. All right, so let's jump in. Number one, baptism of or by the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians chapter 12, 13. Paul says this, for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves are free. Who is doing the baptizing in this verse of Scripture? The Spirit. All right, the Holy Spirit. For by one Spirit, we are all baptized into one body. So who's doing the baptizing? The Holy Spirit. And He's baptizing us into what? One body. Whose body? Jesus. All right, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into 
Jesus, which is the body of Christ. This is the initial salvation experience, right? This is what Paul was talking about in the letter that he wrote to the Corinthians when he said in 2 Corinthians, when he said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, in the body, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Notice the language. If anyone is in Christ, how do we become in Christ? Back to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. All right? Baptized by, listen again to the verbiage, baptized by the spirit into the body of Christ. This is what happens when we are what Jesus called born again in John chapter 3. This is the initial salvation experience. This is what church people refer to as being saved. This is when the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and we come to the realization that we need a Savior. And then we surrender our lives to Jesus. That's the first baptism. It's the baptism of or by the Holy Spirit into one body, which is salvation. The second one's very easy to understand because we have a visual picture of that. It's water baptism, right? Most of us are familiar with water baptism. Uh, it's, the concept is easily understood, right? This is what Jesus was referring to in Matthew 28, 20, sorry, I'm, I'm talking too fast, trying to, trying to hurry. This is what Matt, Jesus was referring to in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, when he said, Go therefore, make disciples in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. See, water baptism is an outward symbol of what's happening on the inner, what's happened on the inside. Our inside, which is our spirit, was dead in sin, but then it was raised to life in Christ by the Spirit, baptized by the Spirit into one body, into Christ, into salvation. And so water baptism is, a, is an expression of that. We go under the water, that's a representation of dying to self. Then the water is a symbol of the burial or the grave, just like we saw last week, the burial and the grave. We go into the grave with Christ and we come out of the water. When we come out of the water, it's a symbol of us being raised to life in Christ, just as Jesus died, was buried, and then rose again. Again, the symbolism is usually pretty clear because we can see it with our physical eyes. All right, that leads us to number three. And this is where people get kind of wonky. They're like, I don't know. They, they think this is not like part of it. All right, number three is the baptism in or with the Spirit. Now look, there are only a few events in all, of, all four Gospels that are in all four of them, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are called the synoptic Gospels. Many of the same events are recorded in three of those Gospels, they move, but they move from the birth of Jesus to the third year of his ministry. But John, however, writes from a different perspective, and he covers the first two years of Jesus' ministry. That's why when you read John, it feels a little different than the other three, which again are called synoptic uh, gospels. Again, there's only a few things that are in all four of them. And I, what I want to do is look at some of these verses um, and I encourage you again to go home, write, write this down, go home and look at them. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. All right, I, this is John talking. He says, I, John, indeed baptize you with water unto, repent, to, unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. All right? He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Mark chapter 1, verse 8. John talking. I, indeed, baptize you with water, but he, who's he? Jesus. He's talking about Jesus. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. All right, I'm just going to contrast these going back to what we were reading in Corinthians. Who baptizes us into the body? 
the Holy Spirit. All right. Now, listen to John's language. I indeed baptize you with water, but he, meaning Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. All right. John three. I mean, not John. Luke three sixteen. John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. He, meaning Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And finally, John 1, I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize you with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. All right, you see the verbiage, you see the language. On the front end, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into one body, that's salvation. On the back end, a separate experience, Jesus baptizes us into or with, not into, but with the Holy Spirit. You see the difference. As salvation, the Spirit baptizes us into one body. But we read in every single gospel that Jesus would later baptize us with the Holy Spirit. This is so important. Now, now some people believe that there are only two baptisms. That there's a baptism of or by the Holy Spirit into one body, which is salvation. And then secondly, water baptism. And that's it. Right? They believe that when we come to Christ, and again, that's when the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, and we come to the realization that we need a Savior, and we surrender our lives to Jesus, some would say that's all of the Holy Spirit there is to receive. Right? That there's nothing more beyond that initial salvation experience. Of course, you can mature in your faith, you can grow in your faith, you can grow in your knowledge of God's Word, but they would say that you already possess or have all of God's Spirit that there is to have. And while I respect this opinion, I cannot agree with it. There's a clear dif differentiation between the baptisms in Scripture. John clearly says, I baptize you with water. We read from Paul, the Spirit baptizes us in the body, but he says Jesus will baptize you with the Spirit. See, Paul said it's the Holy Spirit that baptizes us into the body, which is salvation. And again, we read in the Gospels that Jesus will baptize us with the Holy Spirit. Do you see three baptisms? Salvation, water, and spirit. Now, I want to stop here and say this. There are also people on the other side of the coin who believe that in order to be truly saved or to go to heaven, that you must experience all three baptisms, right? That you have to accept Christ which would be baptism of or by the Holy Spirit into one body, salvation. You have to be saved. You have to be born again. That you have to be water baptized. And that you have to be baptized in or with the Holy Spirit, which must be accompanied uh, by speaking in tongues. Right? That if we don't experience all three of those, or you don't experience all three of those, that you're not truly saved. Again, I disagree with this. Right? This is actually a distortion of what's taught in Scripture. And to be honest, this teaching can bring confusion and it can bring damage to people. Because I've said many times, everyday church will be a church of balance. Right? So once again, we find ourselves in the middle. We do not agree that there are only two baptisms. We equally do not agree that all three baptisms are a requirement to be, to be saved or to, to go, go to heaven. All right? Everybody with me, you're tracking. All right, let's jump back into Scripture and continue to look at this from a different, different perspective, the differences in the baptisms. All right, Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 4. All right, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. All right, this is Jesus. He gave them a command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my Father promised, which you've heard me speak about. Now listen, he's describing what we just read in the Gospels. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
All right. Again, remember we just read all four Gospels. I baptize with water, John said, but one is coming after me that will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Fast forward um, again to the book of Acts. And here we have the exact same words, but now Jesus is saying them. Right? John baptized with water, but you're about to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The Holy Spirit has now been poured out. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. In the weeks to come, we're going to go back to these scriptures. We're going to look at them in more detail, and we're going to talk about speaking in tongues. We're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit and all the things that are that are kind of that are, are are part of that. But I don't want to. Uh, but today, I want to continue on the thought of three separate baptisms. Right. All right. So there's more to our walk with God than just salvation. Uh, it continues. Then Peter stood up with the eleven. He raised his voice. And he addressed the crowds, Acts chapter 2. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this was that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Peter then continues to preach. We're not going to read all of that for time, but again, I encourage you to read that. Then in verse 37, after he was preaching, they respond to his message. And when the people heard this, this is uh, verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent, that's salvation, and be baptized, that's water, every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Again, three baptisms, salvation, water, spirit. Then in verse 39, Peter says, this, he says, this promise or gift is for everyone and even those who are afar off. The promise is for you, verse 39, and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Look, we know that he's talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit because this is the same language that Jesus used when he was talking about the Spirit. He said, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. My father promised. He calls it a gift. He calls it a promise. And then Peter turns around and says, this promise, which is what Jesus had been saying all through the book of John, is for everyone. Luke 24, 49. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power on high. What's he talking about? He's talking about the Holy Spirit. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is the promise. But here's the good news. It wasn't just for them. Peter said it was for everyone. Which means this gift, this promise, is still available to us today. All right, let's keep moving. I want to give you a few more passages to look at. I just got a couple more pages of notes, and uh, we'll wrap this up. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is a separate experience than the salvation experience. In Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 4, we read this. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. So Philip goes, 
He's preaching what we would refer to as the gospel. Jesus took our sin, paid for our sin. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. He did what we couldn't do for ourselves. All right, there's a lot of dialogue that happens. Again, I encourage you to read that. For time, we're going to jump to verse 14. All right, so Philip is there. He's preaching the Messiah, which is Jesus. Verse 14, it says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. And when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers. Who did they pray for? New believers. These are now Christ followers. Philip was there. He proclaimed the gospel. They received the gospel. And now they are new believers. All right. So, so they prayed for the new believers there that they might. What does it say? Receive the Holy Spirit. But wait a minute. I thought when you received salvation or you got saved that you received all of the Holy Spirit that there was to receive. You couldn't get any more. But here they've received the word of Christ. They've responded to the gospel. They've become new believers. And now they are receiving a separate it's a separate experience. All right, so there it is. They, it says there that they might receive the Holy Spirit, verse 16, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. All right, are you with me? Do you see that? They had experienced salvation. They were new believers, but they had not received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Who baptizes us into the body? The Holy Spirit. Right? Scripture tells us no one can come to the Father unless the Spirit, the Father draws them, right? So no one's come to the Father. The Spirit draws us. He baptizes us into, into the body. But these believers had been baptized into the body, but had not yet been baptized in the Holy Spirit. All right, let's keep moving. I'm going to give you another passage. Acts chapter 19, verse 1. It says, When Apollos was at Corinth... Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. Now listen to this language. There he found some disciples. Who did he find? Disciples. disciples. Now listen. And he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Again, these are believers. These are Christ followers. And so to the camp that would say there's only two baptisms, you get saved and then you water baptized, and that's it. There can't be anything else. That is not depicted in Scripture. These people were believers, and when, when Paul showed up, he said, have you received the Holy Spirit? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, no. We didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. And so Paul said, well, then what baptism did you receive? Astonished, shocked. Well, what do you mean you didn't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And they said, John's baptism. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told them, he told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, they, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Again, the same situation that we just read. These people were believers. They had already believed in Jesus. They had already been baptized into one body, but Paul called them, and Paul called them disciples. But listen to the words of Paul in verse 2. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? What did they say? No. We didn't even, we didn't even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. These people were believers who had not yet experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, it's very important for us to understand this. This is a little bit of a history here, but to understand the timeline. 
Because this is, Acts 19 is 24 or 25 years after, after the fact of the Holy Spirit being poured out. Right, 24 to 25 years later, they're still preaching that you should be, we should be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They couldn't have done what they did without the power that they received and the relationship that they had with the Holy Spirit. Right, this is around 20 years after Paul had received the baptism in the Holy Spirit himself. All right, so 25 or so years after the initial outpouring, 20 years after Paul has received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, he's still saying, are you not baptized in the Holy Spirit? How are you living life? What, what do you mean you haven't even heard of it? And Paul says, we're going to take care of that right now. He begins to pray for people and they receive a separate experience, something separate. So the question becomes, what about us? What about you? Have you experienced all three baptisms? Salvation, being baptized by the Spirit into one body, salvation. Water, have you been water baptized just as Jesus was? We were water baptized because He was. It's an outward sign of our faith. Have you been water baptized? And three, if I could echo the words of Paul, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And for some of us, it's no, I didn't know there was a I didn't know there was a third experience. I didn't know that there was a Holy Spirit beyond salvation. Have we stopped short of what God has for us? Like I don't I don't want to stop short. I want all that He has for me. I don't know about you. I can't project what I want on you and make you want what I want. I want the baptism of or by the Holy Spirit into salvation. I certainly want that. Because without that, you're, nobody's getting in. Without accepting what Jesus did on the cross. There's nothing we did on our own. And without accepting what we depicted last week when Jesus was hanging there on that cross. Not, he wasn't hanging here, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Without accepting that, allowing the Spirit of God to baptize us in, into one body. There's no heaven. I mean, we're living in a culture where, and, and, and I don't really preach about heaven and hell that much. And I, don't, I don't know other preachers. I guess there's some preachers that do. I don't know. When I grew up, that was a thing. I remember my mom, I don't know if you remember this. You probably don't. Um, if you do, you probably remember it differently. But, I mean... She's old, so her memory. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. She just had her birthday. She's only 64. Just kidding. All right. She just remembers these things differently than I do. And my kids would say, I don't remember anything either. They're like, you remember that? I was like, no, I, <clears throat> I don't. Like, I experienced a lot of trauma. I just block a lot of stuff out. Anyway. But I remember as a kid, I told a lie about something. And... I remember mom coming in one night and I was crying and I'd probably held on to this for a few days. And she said, why are you crying? And I said, oh, I'm afraid I'm going to go to hell. I was a little kid, like, I don't know, between five and seven. She said, why do you think you're going to go to hell? And I was like, because I told a lie. It might have been when I hit, the, hit that speaker with the baseball bat. Oh. I know, I've had anger problems since I was four. I don't, 
I had an older brother who was seven. They would always leave me with him to go have whatever they did, my parents. And then, so I'm with my older brother, seven years older than me. And, um, you know, I would aggravate him and he would, you know, pick on me when mom and dad weren't around. And I remember we just got in a fight and I had this baseball bat. We had this giant speaker, like stereo record player, like, uh, or the big fat cassettes you put in, eight tracks. Everybody had the eight track and the record player and the whole thing, right? And this gigantic piece of furniture. It was like, you know, the four or five speakers put together. And I had a baseball bat and I don't know why I did this, but I swung and I hit the speaker and it dented it in. And I don't remember what we told them had happened, but we made up something and nobody got in trouble. Right? So we were good. Right? And my brother didn't rat me out and I didn't tell. But a few days later, but I was afraid I'm going to hell. Why are you crying? I'm, I think I'm going to go to hell. Why are you going to go to hell? Because I told a lie. All right, I got way off track. What I'm trying to say is, look, without the initial salvation experience, look, the reality is there's heaven and there's hell. And when we die, if we don't have that initial experience of the Spirit baptizing us into one body, it doesn't matter how good you are, until we accept what Jesus did on the cross, there is no life after death for us. It's eternal death over and over again. You're just dead. With the, you're just living in, in hell, which is death over and over again. When you come to Christ, it's eternal life forever, living with Jesus. That's the first baptism. We got to accept that. And if you haven't accepted that, you need it. It doesn't matter how good you are. How It doesn't matter how much you give. It doesn't matter how much you come to church. It doesn't matter how much you serve. It doesn't matter how kind you are. Because nothing we can do can earn our way. It can earn our place. We have to be baptized by the Spirit into one body, into His body. I started all that by saying, look, I don't want to stop short of that. I was water baptized as a kid. Some of you were water baptized as a kid. Your parents either made you and or you just felt pressure, whatever. You didn't even do it out of a genuine experience that you had with God. We've had people in our church that say, you know what? I need to be baptized again because when I did it before, like it was just a thing. My parents did it, whatever. You know, sprinkled with water, dedicated. You know, people call it different things or whatever. They're like, you know what? I'm an adult. I've got a real relationship with Jesus now that I, I've chosen by myself and I want to be rebaptized. And maybe that's you. Maybe you're in the room. You're like, I need to be baptized again. But I would venture to say that there's a lot of people in the room that have not moved beyond that into the third realm where you believed in Jesus. You've accepted salvation, but you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit. The Assemblies of God, the Church of God, the two primary circles we, we run in. I'm, I'm credentialed with the Church of God out of Cleveland. We do a lot of events. Fine Arts was Assemblies of God. But their, their doctrine would say that if you, have, if you haven't been baptized in the Spirit, they would say with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Because over and over in the book of Acts, when people are filled with the Spirit, they do speak in other tongues. And we're going to address that again in weeks, in weeks to come. But Jesus said in the book of Luke that he says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit when you ask? We know that the Holy Spirit is a gift and he's a promise because Jesus, Jesus said, his, he called him a gift and he said, wait for the gift that my Father has promised. And going back to the quote that we've said so many times from the book, you look, it's a tragedy. I mean, it's not a tragedy. It's, it's sad. I forget the quote. Does we have the quote? He doesn't know what I'm talking about either. The Robert Morris quote when he says, look, it's a shame or it's sad to not experience the gifts of the Spirit, but it's a tragedy to not experience this friendship. 
And when I say everyday church is balanced and we want to be in the middle, that's where I want to be. I don't want to swing so far onto the other side that we're all about the gifts and all about the power and all about the goosebumps and all about the feeling and all about what we had earlier. And I love that. And I'm glad that God moved and he showed up and he touched people's lives. I want that to happen on a regular basis. But if that's all we're chasing and we're not chasing a relationship with him, then we're missing out. We're missing out on the best parts of what God has for us. And I think what happens sometimes is we begin to seek this third baptism. And we begin to say, I want you to fill me. And we get all hung up on, well, I didn't speak in tongues, so I must not be filled. But Jesus said, ask and your Father will give you the Holy Spirit. Look, I don't know how all that plays out. There are people in the room that speak in tongues and people that don't. I've heard that Billy Graham never spoke in tongues, but could you tell me he wasn't spirit-filled? My God! I, I don't know. I'm not the judge of that. Don't allow that to be a barrier to say, I'm not going to pursue the next level because this didn't you know, because, because we're pursuing tongues instead of pursuing the gift. The, the Holy Spirit's the gift. He's the gift. We're saying, Jesus, fill me with your spirit. The Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body. Jesus baptizes us with the Spirit. Did you receive, have you received the Holy Spirit when you believed? If you did it, then what are you waiting for? Why are we waiting? He's our comforter. He's our healer. He's our advocate. He's our protector. He's our peace. He's our guide. He's our intercessor. Would you stand on your feet? I don't want to stop yelling. On behalf of Pastor Randy and the entire staff at Everyday Church, we'd like to thank you for joining us today. For more information on the church, please visit us at everydaychurch.xyz.